Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... We really try to work within the constraints and we can see that with the income, the communities and the families and the women that we work with, they're able to then invest this back into their families, into their children and into their futures. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 309 of Impact Boom. My name's Indio Miles and I'm passionate about communicating the initiatives and enterprises causing sustainable and positive change globally. Today we're speaking with Michael McKay and Monica Novacic. BB and Bongo was spun out of Cambodian Knits, a passion project created by Monica Novacic to help disadvantaged women in Cambodia have a fair and flexible income. Monica has 20 plus years of professional experience in curriculum development, teacher training, project management, and social enterprise. As an avid knitter, she saw the potential for creating home-based employment. While she is involved in virtually every aspect of the business, Monica has the pulse of the customer and leads every aspect of product development from the quality and source materials to the marketability potential. Michael is a big picture thinker with 17 years professional experience, ranging from marketing to entrepreneurship, human-centered design, and innovation. After working closely with many high-profile INGOs in Asia and Africa, he saw gaps in the international development model and believes that it's purpose-driven for profit companies that can and will change the world for the better. On today's podcast, we'll discuss how creating eco-friendly and ethically sourced products can establish a competitive advantage for businesses and the social benefits enterprises can create through employing diverse workers from disadvantaged communities. Michael and Monica, thank you so much for joining us today. We're very excited to be speaking with you guys. Thank you for having us. Excellent. So to start off, could you both just please share a bit about your background and then what led to your interest and work in social enterprise? I have been working in international development for many years, coming back to Cambodia in early 2000 to work in the educational sector. While I I love the work that I was doing, was very passionate about helping the education system in Cambodia. I did recognize that what was missing for a lot of the people that we worked for was a regular income or an income of any kind. While in some villages where we were working, an NGO was providing educational services, while in another one, an NGO was providing health services, for example, if you were in the village opposite to what you needed, you were out of luck. And this takes a lot of agency away from people to be able to access the services that they need. I also, growing up, was never very interested in business at all. I expected to go into academia in some way. And I discovered social enterprise by chance and realized, oh, wow, you can help people, you can do good for this planet, but do it through a more sustainable model than what the NGO model is, which is by running a for-profit business that can sustain itself and then provide uh, social impact. That's very interesting. And also, Michael, can you please then share a bit about your background? 
my first career was actually in commercial advertising. So selling things to people that they probably didn't need with money they might not have. It's a fun career, but the funnest projects were actually always nonprofits. Those were always the projects that were, were really fun. So fast forward a few years, I got to work in Cambodia at a social innovation company where we were working with NGOs on different marketing for good causes. So working with social enterprises or working with NGOs for their marketing communications, as well as then behavior change interventions, working with rural communities and minority populations to improve their products and services that are targeted at the rural poor. One of the things that was just really evident was there was so many good intentions by all these organizations and all these people. If the project runs out of money or the project finishes and that's and all you had time to do was test one new product. And they're like, okay, that's all that there was budget for. Then the communities were out of luck. Now they've gotten excited about a potential product we're testing or a potential service that they might be interested in. But now there was no more funding to maybe take it to the next level. Or then there was never going to be any funding. And, and it was always just about finding viability in things. And in this area of the world, you different little organizations popping up that are social enterprises where people are doing what Monica was doing, which was how do I give employment to people? How do I create something that's more sustainable? For me, business was something I was passionate about. I was an entrepreneur before and been working on my MBA. And I really have a strong belief that it is for-profit companies that are purpose-driven, they can make the big difference because profit is a real driver for long-term sustainability. But if you can have people who have that mentality and who can channel that force for good, I think that's really powerful. Social enterprise is definitely a passion. Yeah, really interesting journey as well. You both got such fantastic backgrounds and they're so rich with so much experience. And then this has led into you both becoming co-founders of the eco-friendly children's toy maker, BB and Bongo. So this is in Cambodia, but can you explain the organization's goal and how you guys came to founding this amazing organization? We aim to be more than a toy company. We aim to create connections through play and to be a company that lives by its value. We try to bring the best of everything together into everything that we do with the company and putting all of that before profits. So of course, profit, very important for sustainability and for existence, but also doing things by our values sometimes means making decisions that may be counter to the profits. We really focus on being as eco-friendly as we can in all the materials that we source and the way that we do our production through all the way to the way we do our packaging. We're not perfect, but we strive in all our decisions and from day to day and, and month to month and in our strategy to always improve and to make the most eco-friendly children's toys possible. Our main goal obviously is to support Cambodia Knits, which is the production partner on the ground in Cambodia. Realizing in 2020 that the production partner needed to scale, needed to grow and had a lot of opportunities for scale and grow and to create more employment and more impact on the ground here in Cambodia but that it needed help to reach global markets through a, a much stronger brand, which is how BB and Bongo was born. Between the two of us, through lots of conversations about what was important to us and where we could see this brand and the business going, that's how it was developed. I'm sure Michael can <laughs> explain yeah, that in yeah, a different I, way. Actually, because I want to give credit to the, the real founding of the store. Monica has been, I think she's downplayed a little bit, but she's been working on this since 2009. It started as a very small group of women in her living room with no intention necessarily of it becoming a business, just really wanting to help these women have flexible income for their families. It grew over the years to be a fairly sustainable, like fairly large organization that was sustaining like a hundred families at one point. So within Cambodia, Cambodia Knits was selling lots of great products to tourists who would visit. And it became locally the fairly well-known brand Cambodia Knits. COVID really was a devastating aspect to so many 
businesses and social enterprises here in Cambodia. And when 98% of tourists left Cambodia, Cambodian Knits, which had been supporting all these communities for so long, was really threatened on how do we keep supporting these families when our sales have mostly left. It became that challenge. What do you do as an entrepreneur? And that's when Monica and I got together was at this pivotal point. And she'd reached out to her community, like who can maybe help? What's the next step for this? And mm. that global brand became the next step. If we couldn't count on people coming to Cambodia, then we had to try to take the products to the world. And because the product had already been so successful with tourists, we already knew that people loved the product. So now it was just a matter of looking for new sales opportunities, new channels, or a new business model, essentially. And so it's been a bit of an adventure actually going into the e-commerce space. And then also trying to compete now globally, right? Now we're not just competing within the Cambodia tourist market. Now we're up against other products for people who've never been to Cambodia. It's definitely been a journey, but there was a lot of roots that made even the concept of Vivian Bongo possible, which if, if there hadn't been so much work already done with Cambodian myths, it would have been a different story. So... That's a beautiful explanation there. And from both of those perspectives as well, it's really fantastic to hear those different perspectives that intertwine with each other and also how humble you are both as entrepreneurs, which is just an amazing thing to see within the space. And obviously a name that came up quite a few times in there. And, and at, at the end there, Michael, you said it was for the foundation of BB and Bongo is Cambodian Knits. And Monica, you're the founder and managing director of this organization. And it's a social enterprise that is, is responsible for the production of the main product of Vivian Bongo in yeah. that e-commerce right. space. So how is Cambodian Knits then empowering these marginalized communities within Cambodia to escape poverty amongst other issues? Yeah, so this is a great question. This is the, the core of what we do and why we do it. Hmm. Start with the why. This is why we exist. I have a slightly difficult relationship with the word empowering or to empower others. And we try not to use it because I feel in saying that we empower the women that we work with and the communities that we work with. We're somewhat taking away the strength and agency and putting the focus on ourselves. Like we need to be there to do the empowering and to come in and empower people. They don't really need us to be empowered. They don't need to be given strength. The women that we work with, they always amaze me in their resilience, their strength, and just their capacity to keep going. And I think what they need more from us is fair conditions and opportunities, which is what we try to provide so that they can challenge the poverty and the conditions where they are at. Rather than saying we empower them, we prefer to say we create an empowering situation for them, namely access to fairly paid and flexible work. Many of the women we work with, some of them have never had a job before. They've never been able to access paid employment formally or informally ever before which is one of the key challenges here to Cambodia's growth and future development is that for many years, generations, in fact, women were limited in the amount of education they had access to. Many of them have only finished up to a grade two or grade three education. A few of the people that we work with in their 30s to 50s, they can't read or write. We actually have to create all of our pattern in pictorial form for them so that they can engage in the work. This is a way that we help or we support them to overcome the constraints that they have faced throughout their lives, and then to be able to have a regular income through us. So we try to say that what we're doing is creating flexible economic opportunities for them. 
and they empower themselves to be able to do that work and do it on their own schedule, especially because women have a lot of workloads in the house and a lot of responsibilities in the home, which makes it very difficult for them, even if they have an opportunity to join the formal income. So we really try to work within the constraints and we can see that with the income, the communities, the families, and the women that we work with, they're able to then invest this back into their families, into their children, and into their futures. I love that message there. It's really important to to look at the language that we're using when we discuss, have these conversations. And as you said, these are amazing people. And while you're providing that opportunity for them to empower themselves and liberate themselves, we're not embracing that savior mentality that we're giving this opportunity to people. I love that conversation and all of those benefits and impacts that you're creating. It's quite amazing, the work of Cambodian Knits. And if we're moving to you, Michael, With your past experience as a strategy consultant in lots of different places, but also in Cambodia, how do you believe entrepreneurs can best inspire innovation and progress in their organizations? And innovation is something that I feel like so many organizations love the idea of, but to action it is is quite hard. I think it's because we generally as people have a tendency to have a perfectionist mind that we want things to be perfect before we put them out in the world. And the concept of lean startup was revolutionary for a lot of companies in Silicon Valley, and it's becoming more and more revolutionary in the developing space. And the concept is is largely to fail fast and fail cheap. Try out your ideas at the very basic early level. What's the cheapest version of this idea that you could put out there and test with users? Whether it's a brochure or if it's a product, can you make it out of paper and just get it in front of a few people and say, what do you think about this? Don't spend time and money on on something that's not going to work. And that can be true for whether you're doing a product or a service, but it doesn't have to be anything complicated. You can test things with a sign-up form. You can test things with your colleagues around you. It can be just enough to get the idea across. That's definitely one aspect in terms of being innovative is you really need to have lots of ideas and you have to have them often. I mean, we get a lot of people on our side, just talking about like different product ideas, but to actually go through the process and start to test them, it would take a bit of time. And it's, it's just this iterative process that you have to be dedicated to because you won't get it right the first time with new ideas. So really encourage that and, and to really embrace that failure mentality. I think as entrepreneurs, you're more inclined to that anyway, because you have to move forward, whether you're a first time entrepreneur or a multiple time entrepreneur, the way is never always clear. Failing fast, failing cheap, and moving on and building on your learnings is the best thing that people can do to be innovative in in progress and to move forward and, and progress in their businesses. There's a lot to take in there, even within that piece of advice as well, <laughs> Michael, I'm sure for, for any entrepreneur at any stage of their journey. And it's a really key piece of advice. There's a lot there for different people to embrace. So thank you very much for sharing that with our listeners today. And just quickly, I want to hear an answer for both of you guys on this. Throughout your journeys as entrepreneurs, what have you both observed to be the most crucial trait for a successful change maker to possess? I wrote down resilience because running Mm. a business, especially a small startup, can some days feel like just a series of challenges, problems, and obstacles that you have to overcome. And there are ebbs and flows and ups and downs. And the resilience is to be able to get up every morning and just keep going. I'm very inspired by the women around us who really just one step in front of the other, you just have to keep going. I think resilience is a really key one. And it's something that you work on all the time. It's not that you have resilience and then you're done and you're good and you take that box. It's a muscle. You have to keep working at it and keep growing and keep making it better. 
That was mine as well, actually. But if I had to build on that, I would say commitments. I've worked with different entrepreneurs who were just getting started on their business. So they were straddling maybe other jobs and they weren't really sure. And, and, and that uncertainty was scary for them. I think, especially for people who are driven by a social purpose, the commitment, if you're deciding to do this, you mm -hmm. have to be two feet in because you will never be able to focus on it the way that you need to really have the resiliency. So you have to be committed. You can't be like one foot out the door, like either jump in the pool or, or get out. I, I love how you've built on that idea of resilience. And Monica, I just completely agree that it's about standing back up again after, <laughs> after facing any of those challenges and adversity. So there's a lot of advice there for, um, for our listeners and inspired changemakers to take into account. And we're moving near the end of our interview now. I've just got two little quick questions at the end to ask you guys. So firstly, what other organizations do you both believe are creating strong social impact themselves? I will mention a few that are local here to Cambodia. Dorsu and Tonle are two fashion brands and they're really challenging the way factory production is done of fashion and especially fast fashion and how waste is treated. They make zero waste or very low waste garments using factory offcuts. And then also Fair Weave is an amazing local brand here that's very committed to traditional weaving and dyeing techniques in Cambodia. And they have a, an incredible product line. Yeah, so I want to mention the Unreasonable Group. They're a global organization. <laughs> I do some work with those guys, but they have a really exceptional fellowship program and they work with social entrepreneurs to scale their growth stage businesses. And they focus on five main social impact areas. So education, energy and environment, food and water, health, and then new frontiers, which are things that we don't know yet will be new industries. But I think what's mm. really important about this is the scalability, right? If we want to change the world, we need these mission-driven, social-driven businesses to be big enough to compete at a global level. So when you see an reasonable group who has funders and investors who are bringing these big ideas to the global stage, I think that's where the big change starts to happen. I really think groups like Unreasonable Group that are making some big impact. Great recommendations, guys. And to finish off, what books or resources are sitting on your guys' shelves that you would recommend to our listeners to check out? On the topic of resilience, I think a really great guide for this is Mindset by Carol Dweck. I found this changed my perspective on so many things and also my own personal struggle with having resilience. She's got great exercises in there about having a growth mindset, not just in yourself and not just in business, but in relationships with kids, education, and so on. I've just picked up and started looking at Give and Take by Adam Grant. Probably my top recommendation for most people, and I know it's been recommended on other podcasts of yours, uh, Man's Search for <laughs> Meaning by Viktor Frankl about his survival in the, in the Holocaust. I yes. first read it in high school and it remains to be an inspiration. I've read it many times since. Start with why Simon Sinek. Monica mentioned our why earlier. I think that's really crucial for any anybody who's on a new mission. And then Lean Startup and Lean Impact. They're two different books. Lean Startup is the Eric Rise original book. And then Lean Impact, An Mei Cheng took those principles and applied them to the development or social impact world. So for people who are really interested in the, that social space, I really recommend Lean Impact. Then I'll lastly, I'll just mention Dr. Seuss. <laughs> We're a fun-loving company and I've always enjoyed the insights and delight of Dr. Seuss. <laughs> yeah, re really just a suite of amazing recommendations. And, and for our listeners who are listening or for people who are checking out the article and reading, they'll be able to go look at all of those organizations that you've talked about, including Cambodian Knits and BB and Bongo. 
And they'll also be able to look at those books and resources, which is just going to provide some amazing background guidance and really help them light the way along their own change maker journeys. So that brings us to the end of our interview. I just want to say, Monica and Michael, thank you so much for making the time today to, to speak with us at Impact Boom, to share your insights so generously, as well as your time. And you've just discussed some really amazing concepts and topics. And I can't wait to see the work of Phoebe and Bongo and how it succeeds in the e-commerce space. And then to see the impacts that that creates for Cambodian Knits. I think that you guys have a wonderful journey to continue ahead of you both. And I just wish you all the best. Thank you so much for having us. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you so much. This was great. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people, and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below. And remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page, and Twitter. Thank you.